Hi, it's Lisa Fertali with Me, Money, and Mold. Today, it's going to be about money, and in particular about how you think about money. And um, I would suggest anybody who's listening, if um, you don't have a handle on what you think about money, the first thing you should do before you even start to invest in money, and it's not in money, but in, in the market or anything, even even an insurance policy, something that's not tradable. I know insurance policies are, I mean, you can, yeah, there's all kinds of things you can exchange for things nowadays, but the basic stuff, insurance policies, stocks, options, bonds, warrants, um, annuities, different kinds of annuity. I mean, there's a, there's a multitude of things you can invest money in. But my suggestion would be to figure out first what your personality, your money personality is. And I will just say this. <clears throat> I didn't realize this until I spent a lot of time in years past with my mom. And um, I heard a lot of derogatory marks, remarks about money, even though she was very successful in her life. Um, and you realize where you get your uh, connotations about the word money. Different meanings people apply to that word and what it means to them that some people don't even realize. <clears throat> the flinching they do, the cringing, the flinching, the jealousy, the resentment, the guilt, the power trips, the controlling feelings they have or don't have, all about money. Having it, not having it, not having enough of it, having too much of it. I mean, believe it or not, there's I've heard that one. <clears throat> having to pay all these taxes, how to prevent it, you know, from the government knowing this and all. Listen, if you're going down that last road, don't. That would be my suggestion. <clears throat> it ain't worth it. <clears throat> it. I would imagine it would always catch up with you. I don't know. And I don't want to know. Um, the point is, figuring out what your tolerance for loss is. And realizing that everybody who invests in whatever... Unless, of course, you bought an insurance policy a million years ago. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about putting money in something that has something. It's connect, You're connected to the stock market. And I've heard a lot of people, older people, people that I was stunned. You know, just because you go out and earn a living, even if you make a ton of money. I heard a lot of people, educated people, allegedly, educated, you know, MBAs, I'm not kidding, MBAs, masters, PhDs, telling me that, oh, they, they have the mutual fund. I'm, I'm good. I'm not in the market. Excuse me? Um, you are. You are connected. If something goes up and down, even the slightest bit is connected to the market or it's connected to the bond market, it is newsflash, the market. If it's connected to a currency, it's the market. 
It's all interrelated. Unless you're taking your money and you're sticking it in a mattress, guess what? You're still inadvertently connected to everything because it's deflation or inflation that you're connected to, right? And seriously, right? Your, your money's not earning any money, sitting there doing nothing. You can't escape it. People can't escape money. You can try, but why bother? Why not just figure out where your mind is related to money? Like, and I've heard a lot of people in the woo-woo world say it's just energy. It is. It's an exchange of goods and services. They give you the green stuff and you give them a product or a service, right? It's the value you put on that product and service they're giving to you in the form of money, whether it's American money or European money or some other form of money, cryptocurrency, whatever. It's a currency. You have a currency too. Your currency is the way you think and the way you think in particular about money has everything to do with the amount and the velocity of money that's coming in and out of your life. Is it flowing in and out of your life? Really? Is it flowing in and out of your life? Or is it is it is there a bottleneck somewhere? I don't know, maybe there is. So, let me just read this because I think this is good. It's on page 94 of one of my favorite books, Money and the Law of Attraction by Esther and Jerry Hicks. And it says, it's an example of my new story about money. I like the idea that money is available, is as available as the air I breathe. I like the idea of breathing in and out and breathing out more money. It's fun to imagine a lot of money flowing to me. I can see now my feeling about money affects the money that comes to me. I'm happy to understand that with practice, I can control my attitude about money or about anything. I notice that the more I like my story of abundance, the better I feel. I like knowing that I am the creator of my own reality and that the money that flows into my experience is directly related to my thoughts. So, it's really uncanny. There are certain numbers in my life that keep reoccurring. $11,000 is one of them. It just keeps popping up all over the place. The first time I noticed this was when I had a position. I know I've done, I've mentioned this in a past podcast. I don't know what year it was. When I was trading, I had a position in Apple, all options. I don't know how many. I don't remember. I don't don't remember the year. I traded for 11 years, so I don't remember the year. But for two years of those 11, all I traded was options on Google and Apple. And I had a particular type of um, analysis that I did every morning on that those two cho- those two stocks 
I char like I charted this, their movements based on, it was actually called person's pivots. It was based on the study and experience of John Person, who was, I don't know if he still is, a commodity, a master commodity trader. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I had this position on for $11,000, and um, it was in, at Christmas time. That I remember. It was in December. And I, I, the money was earmarked for paying off um, one of my daughter's cars. 11,000. It wasn't, I don't think it was the whole thing that I had, but it took 11 anyway. When the market opened, I think it was that Friday, or maybe it was a Monday. It was either Friday or Monday, but it wasn't in the middle of the week. <clears throat> I think it was Monday. I put it on on Friday. That's what it was. I put the position on on Friday. Um, it may might have been an earnings play. Anyway, I remember Goldman Sachs came out with something uh, derogatory about Apple. Some derogatory remark. Imagine that. I mean, that stock of all the stocks is a, an aside to this story. I never heard any, any stock be talked about more, or any company, any stock than Apple. But I digress. So anyway, I put this position on on Friday, $11,000, a bunch of options on Apple. Monday morning comes, 9.30, the, stock, the, the market opens. Four minutes into the market, Goldman Sachs had said something, probably pre-market, and within those four, not four minutes, four, four minutes? I don't know. <clears throat> four seconds, four minutes, probably seemed like four hours. And it probably was four seconds. Probably not, maybe four minutes. Okay, we'll say four minutes. I lost seven grand. I couldn't press the buttons fast enough. Obviously, I was in one direct, it was a one directional, terribly long, based on something. Um, I probably didn't have a lot of time value left in those options. It might have been that month that I'd put on. I might have just, I might have done it in the very beginning of my options trading, which I learned. That's how I learned. <laughs> That's why when people would tell me what they lost in the market, and $7,000 was like, you know, chump change compared to other things. Um, I'm not bragging. I wasn't proud. It was just like, this sucks. And I had, I shut down my computers for the day and I probably, I probably did more research. I never was the kind of person who would walk away and like, you know, go drink, uh, um, something and become drunk for the day or, you know, um, become unconscious in some way. I had to figure out what I did wrong. And so $11,000 has come up in my life many, many times in many other instances after that. Why, I'm not quite sure. Um, I've studied lots of things, a lot of things about numbers, not just trading. But um, $11,000 has a significance. And... Of course, I can look back at, on that day and laugh now. <clears throat> I wasn't laughing then. 
I was pretty angry at um, me not knowing. I, I actually, I might have even done this trade because of an, an analyst, because I remember I was reading Stansbury at the time, and they did have a trader who did just options. I don't know if he's still there. I haven't paid much attention to looking for him. I, I stick with what works. And I mean, I'm, I'm st- I still do options, but not that type. And he did say something that morning. I re- do remember this. It was almost like I wasn't the only one. Of course, I probably wasn't the only one who had that type of position on because Apple is an extremely traded stock. And you can go into your platform, at least I could, and I could see the contracts that were, had been bought or sold. Um, so I could see the amount of volume on that particular stock, and there was a lot. There's always a lot. And probably a lot at that strike price, at that price. Um, and he said something. I don't remember specifically what it was. But it was one of those, oh, it was one, one of the variables that I did not take into consideration. Something I could have never guessed, ever. And he surmised that that was the thing that sent the stock probably down so many points. And I had no, no choice but to take my loss. And so I remember making a mental note. And the comment that he made had something to do with the, the time of the year, the holiday season. It wasn't the stock. It wasn't anything to do with the stock. It was something to do with the time of year. And I, I don't remember exactly, but I remember thinking, <laughs> one of the things that I didn't take into consideration. Of course, it was, I mean, this was all tongue in cheek. I was pissed off to say the least. Um, but I learned. And so I learned, I learned a lot more about hedging. I learned a lot more about being a spread trader. I learned a lot more to listen to my gut. And I learned that that was the hardest lesson for me to learn. The last one. My husband used to say that to me all the time. He'd say, I hear these stories from you all the time where you bought something and you sold it too soon and you took your profit, but you, if you held on, you could have done da 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 right? You could have got this instead of this. And, you know, you do all this research. And sometimes it, it's, it's not like a month, a, a, a day or, a, you know, a, an hourly or a daily thing or even a weekly thing. Sometimes it's months. You're doing research for months and you're putting on a position and it's going in you you're projecting out based on your research what you can expect and that's trading it is and the only thing that gets in the way is your emotions and the, the emotion that most people, and I found this with guys more than women, especially there's a lot of guys in that space, more guys than women, especially traders. Um, they don't like to admit they're wrong. I think women admit it faster. At least I did. 
You're like, okay, I'm wrong. I'll figure it out. Take my loss and figure out the next move. I knew a lot of guys that didn't do that. They held on. They put on more risk. And they went down with a ship. And they didn't have enough left to trade another day, to put on another position. So the, the moral of this story is before you do anything with your money, try as, as hard as you can to figure out what you're willing to not come home with, what you're willing to say, okay, and I, I, I've, taken, I've, I've taken enough hit, I've taken enough pain, I've lost enough money, right? I know that the first thing that, you know, I know, I know all about Warren Buffett's rules, you know, rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, uh, adhere to rule number one. I know all about that. He's lost money too, newsflash. Okay. So, um, those are great rules, but at some point, and maybe you never want to be an investor, but know this, every Every purchase you make in your life, you're investing your money and your time in that product or service. And think twice before you do it. Seriously, think twice before you do it. Don't, don't be so unconscious with your, with your money in anything whether it's investing, gifting, or purchases. Because everybody has a money personality. And figuring out what yours is, is the fastest way, in my opinion, to being free of all the stigma that's attached to it. Yep, people don't want to talk about it. Um, figuring out your per- money personality is should be your number one goal for 2020. Why? So you can be free. So you can be free of whatever stupid idea you have in your head that's holding you back. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. I think that's a great resolution rather than all the other resolutions you've probably made already and probably already have not kept. So figuring out your money personality, what you're willing to lose, not what you want to make, but what you're willing to lose. Now, no one's going to probably say that to you in the financial industry, right? What are you willing to lose? Because they just want you to give them your money so they can invest it for you. And what they should say is, what are you willing to lose? Not like, I'm going to make you such and such. And if you give it to me in, you know, in so many years, you're going to have blah, blah, blah. Okay, that sounds like a great scenario. What are you willing to lose? So anyway, <clears throat> that's it. Think about it. If you have questions, you can always send me an email, wq.freethewizard at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.